Oregon's added a lot of new pieces to its defense for 2023. Is it enough to be a good unit? Maybe. Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked on Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin. Thank you so much for making this your first listen or your first view of the day. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks. Like, comment, subscribe, please, and thank you wherever you listen to or watch this show, which today is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs, which can help you hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your 2023 goals. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college terms and conditions apply. Pretty backed up mailbag, which I love, by the way. I hope the mailbag stays backed up from now until the season begins on September 2nd at Autzen Stadium against Portland State. I'm counting out in the days already, but this question came in from Oregon XYZ via YouTube. You can ask a question there. You can ask one on Twitter as well at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked on Ducks. Spencer, do you think the Ducks now have all the pieces for a very good defense in 2023? And what true freshman on defense do you think will get playing time in real game situations? This is a most fascinating question, which is why I love answering your guys' questions because they are quite excellent. So when you look at Oregon's defense in 2022, it was not where we wanted it to be. It's not where I expected it to be. I thought with the talent they had, they still should have been better. I think that's why you make the Chris Hampton hire, warm that seat a little bit for Tosh Lupoy and say, look, if this doesn't improve dramatically, we're going to go in a different direction. So I think for for starters with this question, you have to define what's a very good defense. There were a couple good defenses in the Pac-12. Oregon State's was good. Utah's was good. That was kind of it. Cal's defense had a down year. They were middle of the pack. But Oregon was kind of bottom half, bottom third in just about every statistic except for rushing yards allowed per game. And I I think that what a good defense looks like, very good would be top two or three in just about everything. I think a good defense is you're at least top four or five in the conference in yards per game allowed, points per game allowed, you improve your third down defense significantly. I mean, that's just that's just got to be better. They were just abysmal on third down in, in 2022. But the pieces that were missing in 2022 have, in theory, been addressed by landing in the staff in the transfer portal. Because the biggest thing they were missing, more so than what they lacked on the back end of the defense in the secondary at times, was a consistent pass rush. Only game where they had a decent pass rush, only games really, Stanford and Cal. Two bottom tier teams, but guess what? Two of Oregon's better defensive performances of the year. Cal had, I think, 10 points through, you know, and then uh, like three quarters and change, and then the reserves went in, and Stanford, it was the same sort of thing. It was, you know, 31 to three, at the half or 28, three, whatever it was at the half at Austin stadium, like the defense played as it should in those games because you had a consistent pass rush, but those were some weak offensive lines. 
Oregon was able to take advantage of them. But against the other teams, the Washingtons of the world, the Washington States of the world, even the pass rush was not particularly consistent. I thought it was even okay against UCLA, but it wasn't, you know, mind bogglingly great. Well, Dan Lanning and company saw exactly what we all saw as fans, which was that's not good enough, need to do better. And they go out and add Jordan Birch, which is a great addition for two reasons. Number one, he was an excellent player at South Carolina in terms of generating quarterback pressures, which is just a body type and a caliber of athlete that Oregon didn't really have at the edge position in 2022. So you add that first, but then you also consider who was Oregon's best defensive lineman. Brandon Dorless, who generated the most pressures. It was either Brandon Dorless or DJ Johnson. I think Dorless was better at pressures, and Johnson ended up with more sacks on the air. But Brandon Dorless, best defensive lineman Oregon had last year, may very well again be the best one Oregon has this year. When you have a player of Birch's caliber, if he can really pop defensively, that allows Brandon Dorless to not face as many double teams. Because what often happened, I think, in those instances that I remember talking about over the course of the season, where Brandon Dorless would be really impactful, but then all of a sudden he'd go away, teams would start to focus him. They'd chip him with a running back. They'd chip him with a tight end. They'd double-team him from you know a tackle guard concept. Or if he rushed inside, they'd have the center slide over and help. Because he was Oregon's most prolific pass rusher once you took him away Mace Funa, DJ Johnson, Casey Rogers, Jordan Riley, Sam Taimani, they were not able to get enough pressure consistently to where offensive coordinators and offensive line coaches were having to worry about that. But now if you have two guys there who are capable consistently of winning 1v1s, which Dorless is, by the way, but if Birch does that too, that is a tre- that could be a tremendous boon, even more than people think, for, for Oregon's defense. So I like I like that addition quite a bit. The other pass rusher they added is coming from the true freshman ranks. Now, this is a little bit more of a wild card in, in on the one hand, right, with the guy that's now a four-star, Mateo Uyunglele, one-time five, like whatever. He is an elite prospect. We talked about him for a long time over the course of several episodes on the show, dating back to even last summer. That was a guy that Oregon had wanted for a while. It was a big acquisition. So if Oregon's defense is going to take a step forward in 2023, which I expect it to, and I mean, I can't you know demand anything of sorts, but I mean, that that's kind of what my demand, most demanding expectation will be. The defense has to be better. There, there is, there is no excuse. There is no, they need time. It doesn't have to be a dominant unit in my view. But it's got to be a lot better than it was in 2022. We're seeing rosters all over the country have a lot of turnover, change things dramatically on one side of the ball or both in just one year. No reason with the amount of talent Oregon's brought in, the recruiting they've done, the portal additions, that they cannot be a much better defense in, in 2023. So that's the biggest thing they were missing. And it looks like they've addressed that issue pretty darn well in this offseason. But the other element that they were missing in 2023 consistently 
was having a lot of elite playmakers on the back end. Now, Christian Gonzalez was very good, but the safety position is what I'm talking about here. And it's a position group that's got three guys on the field far more often than just two. There were times last year where Oregon played with three corners and two safeties, but mostly it was three safeties and two corners, right? And those safeties were most often Brian Addison, Steve Stevens or Jamal Hill, and Bennett Williams. Those were the guys. So what does Oregon have there? Did they upgrade enough at the safety position? They didn't go check out LinkedIn jobs to figure out if they upgraded enough at the safety position. But if you're a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team net team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn jobs helps you quickly track qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond the resume data and browse their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. That's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. So at the safety position, Oregon has made notable additions this year. Evan Williams, Bennett's brother, fifth-year player, comes from Fresno State, probably looks like Oregon's starting free safety. We'll see how they use him. Tysheen Johnson looks like he'll be the starting nickel safety slash corner kind of guy, right? The Bennett Williams role. Looks like that's going to be him. Now, stars are not everything. Stars are not everything. Stars are not everything. Okay, good. We got that out of the way. Johnson coming out of college was a four-star player. Grades is a three-star transfer on 24-7, can still be a good contributor for the Ducks. But is he the sort of guy where I have the expectation that he's going to be an otherworldly talent or that he's going to be the best player on Oregon's defense? No, I expect him to be a starter. I expect him to be a contributor. I expect him to make plays, but I don't necessarily expect the world of him unless he overperforms what his current expectations are based on how he played during his time at Ole Miss. And also worthy of note, Bo Nix was a five-star coming out of high school, graded as a three-star transfer. Kind of looked like that five-star caliber player. So just always something to remember when you get guys coming from the SEC. So the, the question now, circling it back to what I started this show with, which was the question from Oregon XYZ, do they have all the pieces to have a very good defense in 2023? Potentially. Potentially, the answer to that question is yes. Those I feel more secure about the defensive line than the secondary right now. I think Johnson can be a good player. I think Williams could be, but he's making a G5 to P5 jump, and that's an adjustment. Brian Addison is still looking like he's going to come back. We'll see if there's another transfer or two out of that position group. There's J.J. Greenfield, there's Damon David, there's Jamal Hills, Steve Stevens, and then you've got the incoming freshman, Tyler Turner, Cody DeCambra, Trajan Williams in there as well, four-star from the 2022 class. Like, a lot of bodies there, but you don't really know how they're all going to play together. But the pass rush should be better. Is it enough to where you could say, well, Oregon's going to is going to be able to have a very good defense in 2023. Every good defense, every great defense has a great pass rush. And Oregon's pass rush, at the very least, I feel confident in saying will be better. 
but is it enough for the Ducks to be right there in the upper echelon of defenses in the conference or the in the country? Yes, it, it has the potential for that, but I don't think it's. I, I still don't think it's a surefire thing because you don't know where you're going to get from Mateo. You need guys to take a step forward or understand what you're going to get from the interior of the defensive line from a pass rush standpoint. And I think from the safeties and frankly, the corners a little bit as well, you have ideas of who's going to play the potential to be a really good defense is there, but can I confidently predict they will be? No, but do they have the players? Do they have the talent to at least be upper third of the pac 12? That answer is a clear and distinct. Yes. So it all kind of depends on, on how you define your terms here, but I fully expect Oregon's defense to be better. But what does better look like? Is it top two or three in the defense and score or in, in defensive points allowed per game in the Pac-12? Or is it top four or five? I take top four or five because they were close to the bottom this year. I think let me let me pull it up re- real quick. It was not uh it was not great. And I don't think it was actually as bad as the stats kind of indicate because there were a lot of garbage time points here. But Oregon this year was one. Oh, hold on. I uh, struggle to click around with things. They were they're actually only fifth in the conference this year in points allowed per game. But 27 points per it's got to be better than that. that that's that's got to be down at the very least under 25. If not, y- y- they should be able to get in the low 20s. They, they really should, even with all the talent that's in the Pac-12. Second part of his question here, what true freshman on defense do you think will get playing time in real game situations? First thing that's important to address when thinking about this is understanding that if you're a true freshman, the likelihood that you play a lot is never that high. However, we have seen Dan Lanning and his staff be willing to put true freshmen into the game if they are deemed to be the best possible contributors. And that includes the defensive side of the ball. Now, Mateo Uyunglele is an obvious candidate and should be as a true freshman. I fully expect him to be at the very least a heavy rotation player, if not a starter. I think he has that potential, but there's still an adjustment even for those five-star guys. So I think he will be in the mix pretty, pretty clearly. But it's not impossible for true freshmen to see the field if they're ready. Jaleel Florence played a good amount this year. He played meaningful snaps. He was Oregon's number three corner. When they wanted to put three corners on the field because the other team was going you know, four or five wide, it was usually Jaleel Florence. It was Christian Gonzalez. It was Triquez Bridges. And then it was either Dante Manning or Jaleel Florence. Right? It was just kind of dependent on the week, dependent on matchups. Florence was out there playing meaningful snaps as a true freshman. So th- this is 100% possible. It's not a matter of, you know, are the true freshmen going to be able to play? Is it even going to is it even going to be, you know, something we could see? Yeah, 100%. It's a little bit of a guessing game to try and understand who those true freshmen could be. But is it possible to see them? Yes. So Mateo I I think is a candidate. You could see Roderick Pleasant on special teams because of his speed maybe. He or Cole Martin becomes that kind of nickel corner. You know, a a slot corner typically has a little bit of a smaller frame. Pleasant is about, he's listed at 5'11". I've heard that's 
a bit generous. Cole Martin's a little bit of a smaller body type too. Never know if those guys could work themselves into the fold or maybe a Jalil Tucker from last year's class works his way into the rotation a bit more than he did this year, which was just a handful of snaps really. But the other, the other group that I feel like could see some true freshmen on the field this year is the interior of the defensive line. Because you lose Jordan Riley, and Oregon hasn't added an interior defensive lineman. And Jordan Riley was a transfer last year. So you're either looking at Keon Ware Hudson seeing more snaps, along with Sam Taimani behind Casey Rogers and Brandon Dorless, who are probably starting on the interior for you, or I, I think you could see some true freshmen. I don't have an inclination of which it could be, but Amari Washington or Ashton Porter or Terrence Green or, I mean, I mean, just keep going down the list, right? There, there were so many interior defensive linemen that that Oregon recruited this cycle, right? Johnny Bowens is uh, is another one. Like, there are a lot of different names there. The highest rated interior defensive lineman is Johnny Bowens coming out of the, the, the state of Texas, a four-star. That, that that's a possibility where you, you may not see them make a huge impact, but could they get on the field, play meaningful snaps? Yeah, there's a void right now, right? Keon Ware Hudson has had some good moments. You know, he had that, I think he was the one who had that play against Washington State where he batted the ball back to Cam Ward, who then caught it and got him on the ground. Like he was a rotational player last year, but he hasn't done anything dominant to cling to a particular role, but now you just have more snaps that, that are needed. And I'm curious to see who kind of fills that void. Cause I think your top two Popo is in there, of course, because he's back off of an injury, but you, you never know. Sometimes he was a great player, really good. I think he was first or second team all pac 12 before his injury. He was probably going to be a starter this year. You'd like to see him get back to that form, you know, all conference caliber player, but after an injury, it can be really tough. Guys are not always the same physically. So I, I think that's a, a fair question to ask, but he would also certainly be a candidate. But I, I think all of those questions on the interior leave open the possibility that a Bowens or a Washington or a Porter or a Green could slide in there and you know find some, some snaps and maybe make an impact play or two at, at some point in the season. One more question about uh, the defense from FTH Sammy that I will answer after I tell you all about built bars. Oregon's trying to build up on the defensive line. That's very, very clear. And if you want to build up with some healthy and tasty treats, you got to go check out built bars. I mean, I'm always trying to eat better because it makes me feel better. And it's just a great thing to do. Keep yourself healthy. And Built Bars are a great way to do that. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, a whopping 17 grams of protein. You don't need to wait around to get a box for years. We've been talking about ordering yours at Built.com. Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club too. So head there and get whatever flavor tickles your fancy. Peanut butter brownie, churro, coconut almond, mint brownie, my personal favorite. Go get your latest order of Built Bars today. Continuing on with mailbag questions, which again, I, I've got a bunch of them in here. There's a little bit of a backlog. I'm going to try and get through as many as I can this week, but keep them coming. Just keep the questions coming. I promise I will always, always get to them. Quick one here from FTH Sammy. 
via YouTube. How you feel about Kyrie Jackson? I'm glad you asked this question because I'm kind of agnostic on him. Like you, your inclination when you get a defensive back from Alabama is <sighs> Alabama, DBU, Nick Saban. Man, if they wanted at one point in time, they must have seen something. Fact check true. Also, why wasn't he playing more at Alabama? Because he wasn't quite up to their standard. Now, Alabama's standard is up here. And every time I put my hand up like this, I think of Billy Bean and Moneyball portrayed by Brad Pitt. That's my bar up here. That's where I want to go. So Alabama is holding him to a very high standard there. I think Jackson has certainly has an opportunity. Nobody's corner slot should be safe. Triquez Bridges might be safer than we think, but there, there are no guarantees. There are no shoe-ins in that Oregon secondary. And remember, it's not like only two corners play. I mean, think about how many corners we saw this year for the Ducks. Christian Gonzalez, Triquez Bridges, Dante Manning, Jaleel Florence. That's four. I feel like I'm missing somebody. I'm definitely missing, I'm definitely missing somebody. At the corner slot, but that that's four. That that's four guys that you have to be able to put in and not have a significant production drop off, which is probably why they brought a guy like Kyrie Jackson in. But there's not a lot of tape on him. He had, you know, kind of a weird situation. He was playing. He was on the team or away from it. I, I don't really know all the details there at Alabama. It's hard to find Juco footage. Like, I I think he's got potential. He'll have the opportunity to start. And if he's really good, we'll know right away because he'll be playing a lot. I I think that's the best way to answer this question is whatever sort of talent and potential he's bringing to the Ducks, I think we'll have our answer pretty quickly. If the first couple series go by against Portland State, and the top three corners that have been used are Bridges, Manning, and Florence, then you know that Jackson was just kind of a depth piece or or is just kind of a depth piece at, at that point. But I, th- I think there's certainly the potential that he's got more in the tank because at one point in time, Nick Saban did want him and said, yeah, that guy can come and play for us. Didn't work out there, but hopefully it does for, for the Ducks. But at the very very least, you know, pretty experienced guy, Juco, Alabama, now coming to Oregon. I, I, I like the the potential of having that as, you know, a reserve corner of, of sorts. You know, if that's your number three or four guy, I think that's a good place to be. Finally, we wrap today's show, as we often do, with just a smidgen of basketball discussion. Now, Kelly Graves' team on the women's side having a Rough go of it lately. Lost to Utah on Sunday, 192. Barn burner, tell you. But, uh, yeah, they've lost five of six. I think they're still going to get in the tournament. I hope they do. But it kind of feels like they, they don't have the upside it looked like they had at one point in the season. Hopefully they can hit their stride. But Dana Altman's team on the other side. Not all hope is lost here. I'm not going to give up hope because what else are we supposed to be as fans but optimistic? I said going into Oregon's final nine games, of which there are now seven remaining in the regular season, they needed to go six and three to give themselves a chance to build an at-large tournament resume. 
They're off to a one and one start. You might say, oh, that's not great. Well, one of those games was at Arizona. You already beat Arizona once. Even when Oregon's good, splitting with Arizona is totally fine. That's all you need to do. And they beat Arizona State, a real nice Sun Devils team, on Saturday night in Tempe. Now they come back home. Another week of huge games. You play USC and UCLA. Got to at least get a split. 2-0 would be ideal. You can't go 0-2. You got to win one, preferably against UCLA. But when I looked at their final nine games and said, they need to go 6-3, and three, the losses that I was looking at was one of the Arizona schools, probably one of the LA schools, and then a stumble against somebody else. But that sweep of the mountain teams, Utah and Colorado at home, and going 3-1 and one against them, it's a non-zero thing right now. And if they can beat the teams they're supposed to, which has been a struggle for sure, but they are not... They're, they're not in a position where all hope is lost in his tournament or bust. They're not there yet. They're close to it, but they're not there yet. And by the way, in their final seven games, they will be favored in six of them. Something to watch. You know I will be. Appreciate all of you listening to or watching this show. See you next time. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.